0: And we are recording with Mr. Jesse Howe on Tuesday, September 27th, 2022 at 4.12 p.m. Eastern Time, episode 931. I met you through George Webb. I don't exactly remember how. It's one of those weird things where you ever have like kind of be like text buddies with someone that you've never actually physically met. And eventually, one day you kind of scratch your head, you go, "What? when did I meet? Like, they just kind of like appeared in your life and you're like has that always been there <laughs> You're know, like and i'm sure i'm that person in someone's life but i was thinking about that i was like sure it's okay like, hey.
1: look bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and what do i even say other than hey <sighs> well that's why they're introducing an all-new bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.
0: I think it was from George, because otherwise I'm like, yeah. how the fuck do I know? Je-? You just kind of morphed into my reality, just kind of materialized like some weird spirit. But um, with that odd intro, Jesse, introduce yourself to all the new listeners. Jesse is the host of the Missing Link podcast, which I already have ready to be put in the description. You can go follow him on all the platforms has everywhere. If you want to support him, you can support him financially or just go give him a share and subscribe and like, or whatever the fuck you want. But, uh, introduce yourself, Jesse.
1: Well, hi, Tommy. Thanks for uh, inviting me to your show. Um, it's, you know, an honor to, uh, to come here and be with the great, you know, Tommy Kerrigan. Um, and, uh, a lot of people are, you know, in lives now that are very digital. Where did you meet them? Because, you know, 25 years ago, you know, you remember meeting that person at the bar at the, you know, corner store or wherever, but you know, people are more indoors. And, you know, a lot of our relationships and you know, that we're building right now are online, you know, because the world has opened up, you know, you know, significantly. So, you know, that's, that's amazing. And uh yeah, I did meet you through uh George Webb, it was, they were you guys were having trouble doing a stream yard so i hosted the stream yard for you guys and then that's how me and you met and then we chatted about you know some of the people that you know like i've had on and you know some people you had on like you know like right at the beginning episode number 15 we had david icon um we've had lee camp uh, he was episode seven i think sasha stone or uh, sasha stone was seven and lee camp was five like right away this thing was rolling
0: You've had yeah, Prather, because,
1: you've had Bobby Ann Cox. Yeah, that was too, as towards you, Bobby Ann Cox. She came because, uh, you know, she had she reached out to me because of you. So that was, that was uh, you know, quite, quite awesome, uh, you know, hearing from a, a lawyer's perspective. Yeah,
0: it was, yeah, I, I just, I clicked on like one of your links like a week ago or two weeks ago. And I saw none other than Jeffrey Prather, who's been on here a couple of times. And I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah! That's I think that's actually what got me to reach out to you. I was like Jesse, it's fucking slaying it. But um, yeah, man. So I think we like you know, I think you and I are alike in some weird ways. That and I don't want to just make this like a podcast circle jerk, but like, so I'll try to we'll try to twist off into something else. But um, I mean, really, I guess in like no other way than you just constantly putting out episodes, and that's something that like my own. OCD, workaholic brain identifies with and respects. I'm just like you're always putting them out to the point where like I'll watch and I'll be like, oh, he's catching up to me, and I'll be it's not a competition. And then the competitive part of my brain's like, don't fucking let him get ahead. But uh, that that's just me. That was me. That was pre med me. My best friend gets an A. I'm like, cool. Then I'm like, I gotta fucking beat him. But like, you're going full, you're going full clip at this thing, man. You're you're pedal to the metal. What? forgive me for not knowing when did you start it and what led to you getting into this so
1: um i've been you know technically awake aware to things that are going on for 30 plus years you know i may not look it, but i'm turning 49 i'm turning 49 in uh you know less than a month in october 26
0: so i legitimately thought you were like three years older than me i'm fucking (laughs) hearted i'm third i just turned 32 i thought you were like 35 maybe 36
1: yeah, give it another 10, 12 years on top of that. So I preserved myself in alcohol for many years. And, you know, I uh, stopped drinking about nine, nine years ago, um, to stop smoking cigarettes, which was eight years ago. In between there, I stopped all synthetic drugs. Um, Congrats, coming up man. on January first, I stopped uh, eating meat. Um, you know, I've been doing a lot of things just to, you know, balance myself to better myself and, you know, just to to come at this full force. So, you know, 30 years ago, I remember because I got kicked out of my house at an early age, and I hung out with a lot of rough and tough people like the, you know, the gangsters all brought me into their little world and protected me and taught me how to protect myself and not get bullied like, you know, I was when I was a kid. And, you know, and uh, learned you know the way of the world, and I knew kind of what the was going on. I was you know I had interest in politics, wanted to become prime minister, and wanted to change things. So I was organizing these groups of these. Let's take back the government. We got it. This was like thirty years ago. So, you know, I I knew something was wrong a long time ago. So then, obviously, my path got caught up into kind of drugs and alcohol and learning, and then social media came, and then started being a social media warrior. You know, trying to you know, learn about things, connect with people, but also share information of stuff that, that I know. So that, that went along for, you know, 15 straight years on Facebook. And then a lockdown happened when the people started dropping. And, uh, you know, right away I was like, they lit up the 5g. That was my public, you know, (laughs) post. I'm like, that's why people are dropping. I'm like, they're just covering it up by this phony virus. And, you know, and so I, uh, Um, you know, just was, you know, trying to figure out everything, figure out what was going on. But at the time, the world was in fear, you know, they wanted to make everyone afraid, you know, be afraid of the big bad wolf. And the more people they had afraid, the more people were more likely to get injected with their demon juice. And so I, uh, I pivoted at that point. So instead of going deep into the conspiracy, like I had for, you know, 13 straight years on Facebook, I created this thing called the High Vibe Love Tribe. So it all started when, I vibe, um, I like, yeah, I like it, that. it started with uh, um, David Wilcock was meditating for the earth and he had this day on, I think it was like April 8th or something like that, meditate for their earth day. And uh, I decided to go on live and uh, I have done lots of lives before, you know, for, for years before that, but nothing really serious. And then I got on live and, I got my Tibetan singing bowl and I was ringing my singing bowl with them, you know, and we were all, we were buzzing. And then all of a sudden, 10, 15, 20, 30 people are on live with me and they're like, this is great. You need to start doing this, you know, come back tomorrow. We need something to pick us up. So then we created this thing called the high vibe love tribe. So I went on live for the first year of the pandemic for 11 straight months, seven days a week from two to four hours a night. There was only four days in 11 months that we didn't make it because of connection connectivity issues when we were camping and traveling seven days a week to raise people's vibrations so we turned on some uh uh you know techno music i started dancing in front of everybody just dancing lifting weights after i'm doing this every single day i'm getting into like the best shape ever because i'm exercising for one hour every day i incorporated weights into it and then after the first hour we slowed it down put on a guided meditation, put on some healing frequencies, uh, did my Tibetan singing bowl. At the end, I played bongo drum and just (laughs) had like this just fun time. And we literally had people say like, you saved my life. Like, you know, I had like, I I can't even count 10 times on my hands. How many times people had told me that like giving me big hugs, you literally had saved my life.
0: The background uh, on my phone is be the light that darkness fears. Uh, You just you gotta just no matter what it is whether it's literally like pulling someone out of bed and lifting the blinds or just during a global pandemic get onto a camera and just start playing bongos. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. To keep going. (laughs)
1: Yeah, no, all good. And that's what it was about, is just reading people's vibrations. People were saying, like, they people would be deep into research all day long, and they said they couldn't wait until the high-vibe love tribe so they could just relax and then have a great sleep. So it took everybody from this place of fear and gloom and doom into a nice, safe space. The big thing was we couldn't talk any politics. We couldn't talk any virus. Couldn't talk any of that shit. That's it none of that. Door. You could, yeah, you could talk anything you want anywhere else, but... Here, it's about love and about, you know, vibrations, about healing, and it just about, you know, coming together in it one point we were getting like 3,400 live views just during the two-hour session when I got off to, to Facebook said 3,400 was my top at the top top of the of the thing so like this thing was bumping it was, it. It was like it was rocking and then there was obviously inner fighting between truther communities and this and that and I just kind of kind of wanted to step back from it and uh during that time uh because i had such a large audience um i got contacted with someone who was trying to put on a, a truther telethon where we had a whole bunch of truthers back to back to back to back to back for like 13 straight hours um whatever happened with them folded she called me crying bawling her eyes Ooh! it's not gonna happen and i said you know what me and you will put this thing on and it was like 12 days until it's supposed to happen well we did it we had 26 truthers i am seated i went on for 13 straight hours where I, uh, I I you know, hosted what I, you know, introduced the person, sometimes it was a monologue, where I just introduced them, and they did their own thing. Sometimes it was a dialogue, sometimes people didn't show up. So I had to talk through my knowledge, just out of the random just, blue, just share stuff. Yeah. And it went off without a hitch. It was amazing. And people were like, man, you found your calling, you need to do this. And I was like, you know what, now i got a whole link list of truthers. We had, I think, At that time was the first one, Sasha was on it, and uh, we did three truth telethons, but the people that, the one that was crying and freaking out, she was crazy lunatic, so uh, things didn't work out with them, so we only did the three telethons, the third one she wasn't even involved in, but the other guy was kind of a network marketer, really wanted to kind of market his products through this truth thing, and you know, I kind of wasn't kind of my thing, you know, or trying to trying to bring the truth to people and sell them things at the same time. So that's kind of, you know, kind of where I was, you know, kind of battling. So then, you know, we just created this thing called, uh, you know, the missing link where um, I would want to do a business with somebody else called the missing link with someone, some, Something random totally different and I was like you know what that's a perfect name for you know line. the missing link we're looking for the missing links out there you know missing links about the people we interview or about the world around us that we wanted to share so um started off with uh Hannah Maria she's uh, was our very first interview she's an activist out of Denmark I believe she's living in Spain she used to work at the UN big political activist and then a friend of mine uh Antonio Manzur, and then we had a Hollywood actor John Paul Rice who was on one of our telethons. Um, he does a lot of uh, movies against the child pedophilia and things like that, you know, going on so he was our third interview a two part. and. Then it just started banging off. I called, I reached out to Lee Camp and I was watching him for years and I just sent him an email, hey, would you like to be on my show? He said, sure, let's book it. I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, really? I'm like, uh, I just was so shocked that everybody that I was kind of asking to be a part of the missing link, you know, is was saying yes. And, uh, you know, now it's, we've been doing it for about a year and a half now by uh, I think episode seven or eight with Sasha Stone, 15, I... I had, I knew somebody that got interviewed by uh, um, David Icke's son. And he's like, you know what, I'll give you his David Icke's son's Gareth's email address. He goes, you can ask him to be on your shore, or maybe ask for his dad. And I didn't even ask about him. I went straight to his dad. I said, I would love for you, David Icke, to be the on the tuna. missing link, <laughs> wrote this eloquent, you know, a nice email that I was sending out to everybody. And he said, sure. I was like, what i'm like really i've never really followed him i didn't really know but i know he's big out there in the yeah. truth or community like I, I was never too much into the alien thing and you yeah. know the reptile thing that wasn't really my thing but uh having him on my show was definitely an honor and then you got people he's this and he's that and he's that, blah 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 and I, it was weird because so i just asked him like straight up questions where like have you ever been involved or have you been ever been asked to be in a secret society and he's like, yeah, they know better than that. But I was asking them like real questions sure. that people were like asking me. So it wasn't like a typical interview of people just asking them some basic fluff and duff. I was asking them some really good questions. And now, a year and a half later, um, today we're interviewing Sasha Stone again for interview number 310. so we've done in a year and a half 309 interviews so far we usually get anywhere from four to eight interviews a week and we're already booked until the middle of november fully booked for all awesome. of october and half of about half of november is is booked now so it's just really taken Good. off and i'm
0: really really excited about being able to educate anybody that's willing to listen you're a little more fleshed out than me i don't think i ever booked more than and it's not, I don't mean this in some, this is how I do it. I've just found, with the exception of like an author who's like, the book comes out next July. I don't ever book out more than like 10 days. And it's it's terrifying, but it also really helps kind of light a fire under my ass. You ever watch uh, Six Days to Air, the South Park documentary? No. Oh, dude, you need to watch it? It's almost as funny as like any South Park episode. It came out like 10 plus years ago, but it's uh, during the season's they'll release an episode on whatever, let's say Sunday. And then the next episode's due by Sunday, the next week. And they haven't started it. There's no ideas. There's no nothing. And they just sit there and they go, oh my god. And you see them in like the boardroom and they're just writing down ideas and it's all shit. And they're all just like, everyone's jacked up on coffee and stressed out and like a day later, you can start to see an idea coming together. And then they get the, you know, it's South Park. So they've got a $10 million studio. So they've got the animator. They start working. And then you see the guys doing the voices of, like, Cartman. They're like, hey, take hey, hey, care. And, like, they're going through this thing. And then there's always, like, a they mess something up. And by the last day, they're all just, like, I mean, bags under their eyes. And, like, they get the tape. And they literally have, like, a private courier. Come get it. And they go do a satellite uplink then it gets to South park and like the best episodes you've ever seen of South park. I haven't watched South park in years, but like legendary episodes, they came up with like three days before it aired and they'll get that one up. And they'll be like, we did it. Oh fuck. We got six days. And you know, (laughs) and then they'll do this whole thing for like 10 straight weeks or however long a season is. And they always get to the end of the season and they go every year. We tell ourselves that was the last time we're doing that. And then we get back. But There is a sort of genius to it in that there's just no time to fuck around. And I mean, really, even if you book a month out, it's still not a lot of time to get prepared. And I think I do think there's something beneficial to that. Um, Sorry for that side tangent to how has it kind of changed your perception? For me, at least. It was like the first time I actually got like a real A in school. It was just always like a poor student. I just didn't try. I just didn't care. I was more obsessed with weightlifting in middle school and high school. It like fucked off my freshman year in college. But like my sophomore year, I actually like tried to get an A in a class. And like I did it. And to me, that opened a door. I was like, I can do this. And that led to three years later, getting into medical school. So going from meathead frat boy to getting into medical school. I've had the same experience with this podcast. And it seems like you have too where you get that email back that just says, yeah, sure. I'd love to come on. And you're like, the fuck you're like, why is this person? It's almost weird. Cause like, you should be, you should be boosting yourself up and having confidence. And then they say, yeah, you'll come on. And you're kind of like, are you nuts? Why are you doing my show? I got that with Charlie Duke episode 216, Apollo astronaut, or even Dr. Malone episode four ninety five. I was like, you're what you agreed to do this. All right. But what that's done, the whole point of that is it's definitely made it seem a lot more realistic, like getting that first A, even though it was like a bullshit class, it was like what, like literature, whatever, I had to like write papers. I was like, well, I can do this for like biochemistry and it seems like a big step, but you're like, I just did it. It's opened up this new world of potential. And that's what it's done for me is whenever I get a big guest, I'm like, this can be done your wildest dreams of where you see the podcast in five years, you're like, it can be done. Sorry for that word salad, but do you get any of that from like, yeah, getting David Ike or something? Do you, get, do you get any of that where you're just like, oh, wait, like this, Steve Jobs said, Steve Jobs said that uh, the, most, the most important part in any entrepreneur's life is the moment they look at the physical world that to them has always been unchanging. The light goes from red to yellow to green. The sun rises and sets. Walmart sells this for this many dollars. And then you poke it and it changes. And all of a sudden you see the price of something go down or you release a product. And now all of a sudden people start making touchscreen stuff. And you go, oh, wait, this isn't an unchanging world. This is a fluid, uh, anti static world that you can play with. And then all of a sudden you go, well, the whole thing's malleable and it just blossoms into some event horizon of like I can change the world. Do you get that at all? Because I know I do and maybe I'm just a psychopath, but I definitely get that from doing this podcast.
1: Oh yeah. And uh you know it all started right from the beginning. So uh just to mention before I've never been a South Park guy. I've never really watched too much cartoons except for when I had to with the kids and stuff, you know, after I was like 12 or 13, wasn't a Simpsons, guy, wasn't a South Park. So I don't really, know that but i work really good under pressure like i'm just one of those that you know something you know uh something happens i jump right up to the pump and i'm ready to go i'm ready you know out comes the superman you know and i just you know i I, i'm able to to work very good under pressure that's why i think when i did that first truth telethon and all the things happening dynamic parks every half an hour or somebody else coming on or not showing up like i loved it like i You know the guy who I was doing, uh, you know the telephone with. He said there's guys that get paid five thousand dollars an hour to MC events like that, and when someone doesn't show up, they get all flustered and they're not. He goes, "You just handled it better than anyone that I've ever seen because it's a lot of pressure to put twenty six people in thirteen hours back to back to back, and I excelled at it, so I really really liked it and you know, getting these, you know, people that I had a whole list of already 26 people to bring on my show. I just started reaching out, you know, I, you know, I knew Sasha was coming on. And then once Lee camp, I was like, wow. And then David Ike, I was like, wow. And then after that, you know, the David Ike and, you know, think what you want of him, whatever he's saying is saying what people need to hear. I'm in alignment with most of the things that he needs to say. But once, you know he's World kind of renowned, recognized, and every single email I send to somebody, yeah, I've had David Ike and Sasha Stone and Lee Camp, and then you know the people see that and they're like, "Wow, he's had David Ike on his show," and you know most people didn't even check out that we only had like fifteen hundred subscribers or yeah, yeah, you know, and no, like- yeah,
0: yeah. No, I yeah, I know, I know the name drop thing where you're like, "Hey, don't look at my five thousand subscribers. I've interviewed Doctor Malone. <laughs> Forget the rest. Let's not worry about." what your viewership is or what? forget about that look at this name yeah and so
1: since then we've interviewed 30 doctors um oh, yeah. doctors in Canada doctors in USA uh we just had Lee Merritt uh, a psychologist I believe uh uh, uh no um uh, oh Matthias Desmond oh yeah Desmet. I saw that I saw that yeah that was a really good interview and like you know so when I you know have a list of these big name people that we've interviewed, and I put that into the the letter that I send to people, they're like, wow, like, you know, we would like to be a part of it. And what I really pride ourselves in is that we're recording history of everybody who's speaking out during this time, you know, this pivotal time in history that, you know, we actually got to ask them questions. And we don't just interview people with big names or authors or anything. We're interviewing anybody who's got a little podcast, who's got you know, maybe a little little meditation group, anybody who wants to come out and share what's going on. And I'm able to adapt because I'm very well-rounded to be able to ask them any kind of questions and have a really good dialogue. doesn't matter who's on the screen. It just seems to, you know, work out where, you know, people really enjoy, you know, our, our interviews.
0: There's an importance to that. And it's the opposite of the communist idea of like make lists of the defectors. No, it's the exact opposite. It's making lists of the people who spoke out, not because they deserve anything more than anybody else, but it is important because we're seeing in real time COVID-19 getting memory holds. People going, we never recommended the vaccines for pregnant women. No, 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 no. Go back to the Zoom interview that has the day, day, month, year, and the hour, minute, second hand on the bottom. Go back to that interview and find that in that time of that person saying this is what's going on. It's important, and some people have bigger. Right, if you're documenting COVID, it's definitely more important to talk to a doctor McCullough or a Matthias Desmond. But you can also find people that just they own a local gym. You can find all these little kind uh, of pieces of the puzzle, and to to circle back to a uh, to to David, I, anybody that doesn't know um, his his whole thing the big thing he got known for is the is like the, the the meme of like you know reptilians run the world i don't subscribe to that either as i don't think you do that being said you have to give credit where credit's due and the dude is an in, insanely positive per- you don't have to subscribe to the the aliens and the the reptiles eating kids but you also can't deny when he's coming out and going like people want you to be scared They want you, they don't want you to be loving each other. They want you to look outside and be terrified. You know, don't give in to your anxiety. Step outside, look at the sun, call your mom. Like, remember that you have people that love. That's, you can't knock that. You don't have to condone anything else he does. And I don't think anything else he does is bad. It's just not necessarily my cup of tea. So no, I'm with you on that. Like, you got to give credit where credit's. You don't have to like Joe Rogan you know the dude has a positive message like you don't have to like anybody but you got to give credit where credits due um and that is just fucking nuts that you got him but um when you're doing not necessarily like a singular episode like right now i i didn't plan shit for this i never do i just don't i just I go into it and i'm like where's it going to go there's also a bigger picture Or like, I don't necessarily plan like where the podcast itself is heading. I have ideas that time and time again, I've learned me nothing and the universe just spits in your spits on your ideas and says bullshit, but it doesn't say that you won't succeed. It just says you're not succeeding that way and it develops it in its own way. So like the podcast as a whole over hundreds of episodes I see it like morphing and taking like new forms and going ways I never could have predicted. And even now, like I found a video of myself on one of my external hard drives from August 2020. And it was like my one year goals. It was just like a one minute video to myself. And it was like, I hope to be monetized by YouTube next year. And I hope to be doing this and that. And I was just looking at it and I was like, you fucking idiot. Like, you know, I was like, I, know I have a suspension, but, you know, I think freedom of speech is going to win out. And I'm like, oh, you naive dipshit. Like and then like just other little things I'm looking at. And then it's like, yeah, I'm on episode 100. I'm feeling pretty good about that. And I was like, I'm on episode 900 now. But I have to remember that I am that person. That's not somebody else. I am that person. And so I made another video just like two nights ago. I was like, these are my one year goals. And I hope to look at it in a year and go, oh, you sweet summer child. Like, do you get that feeling at all when you're doing? Because I don't think you plan for yours to go in this direction. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. It's just uh, it's a surprising thing. Do you feel Uh, that?
1: So I used to pre-plan at the beginning for the first 10, 15 you know 20 maybe episodes where i wrote out all the questions i mean did all the research i just went and you know so the whole time they're they're talking i'm like okay reading the next question reading the next question and i just felt out of you know the touch
0: with the another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help
1: really didn't feel as good as, you know, as organic as just a natural flowing conversation. So I stopped that and I just let source flow through me, whatever comes at the time, whatever it is, whatever ideas, whatever questions, if someone says something in the comments, spurs something in my brain, a lot of times people that talk, they talk for long periods of time. So you got a question in the head. You got a question in the head. And then by the time they're done, you forgot that question. So then you have to quickly pop up with another question. So, you know, it, it's just, its it turns out to be very dynamic. And I don't have any plans. I don't see a, a long-term, you know, a long-term for this. At any time, we could stop if I don't think that it's necessary anymore. But, you know, until, you know, we win this war, I think, you know, knowledge is power. And the more we can educate those that are willing to listen, the more powerful we all become as a collective and the less power those parasitic, you know, demons or whatever you want to call them, those those the douchebags, you know, the deep the state douchebags, the, the less power they get by, you know, empowering the masses with knowledge. So I think it's really important, the work that we're doing. And uh, we're very censored. We've had three YouTube channels deleted. Um, I haven't gone back. I've never gotten a cent off of YouTube. We're at 20 bucks oh, yeah. now on rumble. We, it's been a year on rumble. We just cracked the $20 mark that we've, we've, we've made from people watching it.
0: It took me, uh, 18 months to break $10. So don't worry. I I know that. And then it shot up with the episode I did with Dr. Desmond, Dr. McCullough, and Dr. Malone. And then it's kind of slowed back down to a trickle, but it, it, it can be done. Um, the whole planning thing. Yeah. I never really like planned like, if, like an audio book. I'll listen to it for like the guests, but I know what you're talking about when the guest is talking for like five minutes or something, which is fine, which is great. And you're like, okay, I got a question there. And early on I used to have like a notebook that I'd write the question on. And because I didn't want them to think that I was like playing with my phone or something, I tell them beforehand, like I'm going to write questions down in this notebook and then because I would get so subconscious about it, I would purposely like shift the notebook so they could see it, even though it's the most, unna- even though I just wanted to do this real quick, write it down, I'd be like, <clears throat> click the pen and, look at, and it was just worse. And then I like look at the actual question and I was so flustered when I'm writing it. It was just like a couple weird keywords that seemed like a CIA dead drop. It'd be like, you know, fire hydrant idea. And be, the fuck does that even mean? So then I try to start, start to do something else where I would just if I had a question, I would just raise one finger but i would just hold it under the screen and but then another question idea would come up and and by the time they're finished talking i've got six fingers up and i don't remember any of them and so what i would try to do is then go back to the first question i had but by then you're already fucking it up because the conversation has flowed they've gone from point a to point b to point c you know it's like um It'd be like if uh you asked me how I got into this and I said, Well, I used to be pre med and then uh, my brother died and then I was depressed and then I started the podcast and then I got booted from YouTube and I started discussing COVID and then it went back to you five minutes later and you went, What made you want to be pre med? It's like the whole thing is now just like like the puzzle pieces are they're they're like a tectonic plate. It's shifted by a couple layers. Um, the point of that is is so one thing I've started doing, I don't remember when, I don't know, maybe two months ago i can't pin it down is i just let the it's a lot like meditation where it's like you let the thoughts come you know they say like let the like like waves crashing on the shore let them come and let them recede let emotions let them be the clouds you see a storm brewing it's anxiety it's depression it's you 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 miss an ex-girlfriend you you know you you miss your family or whatever or even excitement is where's this podcast going to go or you know am i it's getting bigger what's the future hold you just you let the storm clouds come observe them it might get a little windy might start thundering but then they go away i've found that during the course of like just a five minute monologue that the guest is going on or in this case my blabbering mouth I let them come and I let them out. The waves come and I don't write anything down. I don't let anything down. And then like the last thing they say, I'll pick up on that, like that thread. And I used to get kind of worried. I'd be like, I don't want to miss out on the five questions. That's five good. No, no, no. You just grab the last one. And it's just like handing off the baton in like an Olympic race. You grab that one and don't, don't get worried about the other ones. It's like Grand Theft Auto. If you ever play Grand Theft Auto and you're doing a heist and you're robbing a bank and there's a bunch of duffel bags of gold and then you shoot a bunch of cops on the way out, they all drop money. Don't worry about the money. Pick up the gold and run. Cause if you go for the money, you're going to get shot dead and have to replay the mission. Grab the gold, leave the rest of it on the floor. It's don't worry about it. Don't try to get every little morsel. Do you feel that at all? And it's, or am I just fucking stupid?
1: No, that's exactly the same way. I just, I just flow with whatever it is that they say and whatever, like I say, I try to prepare what next question I want in my head, but at the time, as I'm listening, you know, all thinking about what they're saying and into what they're saying. So I don't, that question is gone. And then you just flow with whatever it is. Like you said, you flow with the next one. Like I've had someone, I won't mention her name, but I asked her to tell us about herself. And she went for 45 straight minutes where I didn't say a word. Like our interviews are usually about two hours. She talked for 45 straight minutes where, you know, all I was just sitting there. So you can not obviously think of one question, hope that question's going to be valid 45, 40, 45 minutes later after, you know, she says, and, Sometimes when people go for long periods of time, you know, and you're trying to think and you're trying to think it's a little bit draining sometimes. Yeah. You're just trying cause you're, you're have like, this.
0: You're like, you're on camera. You're like, don't start. Don't, don't close your eyes. You're like, so you're just sitting there, like staring at them. You're like, don't fall asleep. Don't fall asleep.
1: I, I just had that last week where someone said, Jesse, you need to go take a nap before your next interview is. But one of the comments was was, was on the live because the person went on for, you know, long periods of time when it wasn't the most entertaining of... Like, if it's compelling stuff, it's hard to you, you know, can sit the, there for
0: 45 minutes you can
1: yeah like the four when she talked insane, for 45 yeah. minutes i was right in there for that 45 minutes and yeah. was a big doctor you yeah. know who, who who's you know very well known but you know this this other person that i was interviewing not very well known he was the first person you know charged for a covid crime in the uk just interviewed him and he was just telling us about his acting and things like mm-hmm. that where you know it's not so fascinating, you know, to 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 listen for very long periods of time when you don't get a chance to respond. And plus, I only had four hours sleep the night before, and that didn't oh, help. Okay. No. So I was I was fighting to keep keep my eyes open for that. So sometimes I get an energy drink. Now when I have these, I'll I'll have to have like a little hemp energy drink or oh, yeah. or something just to perk me up. And I have one right beside all my interviews just in case I feel oh, yeah. myself starting to nod off a little bit. I drink that, go, 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 and then I feel much better right away
0: oh yeah yeah no it's uh and you yeah, know like i'll have i have on a delta force guy all the time and uh every once in a while he'll come on and it's let's have a conversation he's just telling me a story but those are insane stories and you're sitting there for 45 minutes you're not even being nice you're just listening You're like jesus christ and then what and, and then you shot him in the face you're like and then you're supposed to be like oh my god you almost forget you're doing a podcast those are those are fine um every once in a while you get someone that it's a long. And not like instead of five minutes, they go for 10 minutes. No, it's they don't. They go for 48 minutes straight. For those, I do hit this sort of um, uh, acceptance level. Where after 10 minutes, after 20 minutes, after 30 minutes, I start to go in my mind. I'm like, that's what this podcast is now. It's shift gears. You thought that you were going to do a leg workout but all the machines are taken so all right we're doing push-ups now and you weren't expecting it you weren't expecting to do push-ups today but you're like we got to pivot sometimes i'll be like i'll have this idea of what's going on and they talk for 30 45 50 and now you're like there's a fucking fly in here now you're like shift now i gotta stay awake you're like that's just what this is and you're like okay i'll ask them one more question they're gonna go for another 45 minutes and you just kind of go all right that's that's not what i was expecting um you ever have and to me it's the worst feeling and i I try not to have i've never had a bad pot i can i can genuinely say i've never had someone on that i didn't ever want to talk to there's some people that maybe they're a little boring and like i'm not necessarily gonna go for a second interview like but i've never had someone on where i finished up and i was like dude fuck that person i I've just been lucky. 900, this is episode 931. I've never had someone on that truly. I was like, dude, that was just, you know, that was kind of, fuck that guy. I've never had that. But I'm sure, knock on wood, I'm sure it's coming now. But hopefully you ever it's ha- not
1: episode 931.
0: Hopefully it's not episode 9, a year from now. People are like, <laughs> you didn't have Jesse back on. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> like, oh, geez. But um, no, it's. Uh, I almost have had one. Heard- do do you almost uh, all right so yeah, yeah tell me that
1: I almost had one so we had Dr. Paul Cottrell on I'm not sure if you know who he is um he's very out there Uh, he's very very out there um he's a doctor of finance I got his doctorate in finance and now he's in medical school um currently you know getting his doctorate in you know to become an actual medical doctor as well So the first hour interviewing him, and we ended up having a five hour and 17 minute interview. But the first hour, you know, it was tough. It was like he's because I asked him, you know, what he thought uh, uh, about, uh, you know, the, the train theory and, you know, the virus, you know, Potentially, they've never isolated yeah. it. He version. went off. Yeah. You are, That's dumbass truthers. And anybody's that doing that? He was very condescending. He was very kind of insulting that anybody, you know, they spent billions of dollars on these viruses. And, you know, there's, you know, anybody to say that these viruses aren't real, they're dumbass truthers. And I my comments lit up. I had so many people that left. I can't listen to this guy. And it was really harsh for the first time probably about 50 minutes and then i just dug my heels in i told him my position you know what i felt and then we had an amazing next four hours of a conversation just about just about everything but if i would have like i almost if i ended it it, after the hour and i would have just said you know what this guy's a jackass and i don't want him on anymore we wouldn't have been able to get the true essence of him and all his knowledge that. we wouldn't have got the next four hours so for all the people that left after the first hour they missed out on a because he's a very smart guy sure but he's you know he was just the way he was you know a little bit condescending a little bit yeah anybody doesn't believe that dumbass truthers and he's so a little bit insulting and you know that's not the missing link the acronym for link is love inspiring new knowledge so it's about love right and that's what you know, we're, we're trying to do is bring out people's essence, who they are in a loving way. And that's why I don't allow people to antagonize. I don't allow people to, you know, to, to, to throw out bad comments and, you know, insulting people. Like that's not what you can insult anybody on any, on their show on, Mm. you know, wherever you want, but that's not what we do here. We're just trying to listen. Like I've invited Anthony Fauci on and if there was, yeah, I've
0: tried to get him on.
1: Yeah. And if there was people in the comments lighting him up, I would not allow that because it's about us asking him real questions in a respectful way. I don't care what you say on their show or on their emails or wherever they're doing, whatever you want, you do whatever you want. Just not on my show. I protect the person that we're having on. And the only person that um, I didn't really, you know, kind of, uh, kind of censor, like, you know, to, to say, you can't say these horrible things was, uh, um, there was a doctor that came on with Judy Mikovits and they are having a little battle and he was talking and, you know, so I put up her, her um, his comments and then, you know, uh, she was responding to him because they were battling like while she was being interviewed, I think the third or fourth time she's been on on the missing link, I think, you know, quite a few times, three or four times, but the last time she was on this guy just has a hate for her and they were battling each other in the comments. And then finally I didn't put his comments up, but I didn't block him. I didn't delete him, you know, because he was valid to be able to defend himself from things that she was saying about him. Right. So, you know, he could defend, even though. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market auditory experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mm-hmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. He was very like, "That's flies and this I." I just let him go because, you know, she mentioned him and, you know, they, they, you know, that it was kind of like the battle or whatever. When I invited him on afterwards, he's like, Oh, I'm not coming. You censored me. I'm like, I didn't censor you. I just didn't post your comment on the screen for her to be away from the interview and focusing on you because I wanted to continue on with the interview and not, you know, continue this, you know, this, uh, this, this gossip battle between the two of you that's no we're not a gossip show right i'm not yeah. here to like air people's laundries and who's you know against each other like we're trying to figure out what's going on in the world and get to know the person better i'm not looking to have a jerry springer you know type of podcast yeah.
0: i'll i'll do that i'll do that once i've gotten old and grown out of touch and i'm just trying to milk the last couple dollars out of this <laughs> once i've become as out of touch like to to like when you see like howard stern like being like joe rogan's a misinformation agent it's like dude i he was before my time but i'm still just like dude what the fuck happened and just like being hardcore like rap but that's another thing for another time you you're 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 more i guess i'll give you balls for that is you do yours live, which is one just a whole bag of like i told you i don't plan for mine and i never edit, edit anything out unless someone asked me like Maybe they have like a kid and they accidentally mentioned the town they live in. And It's like, can you edit that out? I'm like, of course, you don't need some weirdo coming to your town. Um, but I've never edited out anything I've said. I've never gone back and removed anything. The reason why I don't do mine live is for the guest, because a lot of people, it's the first time they've ever done an interview. And I'm like, hey, it's not live. You know, you, we can back up. We can whatever. You kind of walk them through it. Um but never in a million years, if I ever did do them live, I don't think there'd be a problem, especially if it was like return guests. Like if you and I did a live episode, no part of me is going to be like, you know, what if Jesse said, I don't give a shit. Like, and Plus, you don't represent me. If a guest says something bad, I'm like, that's them, not me. Um, but man, I would never. And I've had people ask for it. And the answer is no, fucking no. I would never have a live comment. Like, what is it? Super chat? Is that what it's called? Or, or there's a live comment feed?
1: Yeah, it's just the comments fucking, that come up, and then I bring them up, and that's then sometimes, wild West it, distra- shit, sometimes I mean. it distracts people. Where I could see them looking like with George Webb, he's like, "You're doing those comments too fast." He's trying to read all the comments yeah, dude, that I'm I putting up, but because we're live on, you know, the only time, the only place that can show the comments right now, where. Facebook and YouTube, but YouTube, I'm no longer on. So the only place you can comment on that it shows up is Facebook. So, but we're also live on Twitter and we're also live on Rumble. And if you comment on Twitter, you comment on Rumble, I can't see that yet. Rumble is going to have the comments soon available on StreamYard where I can pop them up. So it'll be a little bit more dynamic, but it's not there yet. So I like other people to see what other people are commenting and just kind of to make it kind of dynamic on all the different platforms. Right. So it just kind of makes it's a little bit different. I run the show a little bit different than most other yeah, podcasters it. do. I respect and I, it. And I, and, I, and I your advice was great. But, you know, I like kind of this dynamic sure. where things are just kind of flying and it just kind of adds to the whole Ambiance of sure. you know the the missing link.
0: It adds it adds a unique flavor to it. Like I look at like uh and he's wildly successful and it takes a whole lot of ego to even use his name when we're discussing our channels. But I look at someone like Lex Friedman, who I love, I think he's brilliant. His are like very well produced, you know, there's very they're talking about this and then this and then this and then this. There are questions, there's like research, there's papers on the that's great, but it's not for me. And, and, emb- and almost embarrassingly, so it took me a long time to realize, like, it's okay to do things differently. Some people are like, if I did a podcast, it would be very, it'd be 15 minutes tops. So I'd edit out all the small talk and the fluff. And I'm like, militantly defending it. I'm like, no, that's where you get that. And I'm like, that's just, no, that's what I like. Like, you could never talk me into doing a a live chat. And I don't think I could ever talk you out of doing it, but that's fine. It's absolutely fine. Um, to pivot back to, I do have a question about the the doctors you had on, but, uh, dude, I really got to pee Jesse. Uh, this is your podcast for the next minute. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to say about the doctor, Paul Cottrell. Um, he,
1: at the end, um, he actually said that he wanted to debate someone, um, the terrain theory versus the germ theory. Um, so I went out, I asked one person who I knew knew a lot about it and, uh, you know, he suggested, you know, talk to Dr. Amanda Vollmer, who we had on The Missing Link. Um, she's total terrain theory believes that it's your terrain that gets sick. We're being poisoned. There isn't somebody sneezing on you that making you sick. If you're being poisoned by your food, your air and your water, hence your body's got a detox. That's why you're getting sick. So um, on interview 200, we had a debate. With Dr. Paul Cottrell and Dr. Amanda Vollmer, and uh, it was epic. Um, if you guys get a chance, uh, you don't know much about, you know, the terrain theory, germ theory uh, model. Um, check it out on Rumble. Um, it's T Missing Link, uh, the Missing Link, but T Missing Link, and uh, it's interview number two hundred with uh, Dr. Amanda and uh, Dr. Amanda Volmer and Dr. Paul Cottrell so definitely worth it it was about two hours um and uh, Dr. Amanda came prepared for this debate with Dr. Paul Cottrell she was actually you know had an opening statement uh Uh, you know, had all her points, she had, like, she was well prepared, like she after she did her intro, I I made a joke, I said, Okay, so it seems like we're done here. And Dr. Paul's like, No, we're not done. Right. And Like, but he wasn't quite as prepared as she was. And you know, she really lit him up in this, this debate. So you know, and uh, it's definitely worth the watch.
0: I know one thing that's really uh, helped me. Is um <clears throat> having on someone that I would maybe disagree with, and then instead of just seeing talking point A or soundbite A, you know, Tommy, you you talk out uh, you talk about vaccine injuries like you're an asshole. You want you know grandma to die, and you know I'm looking at them and I'm like, dude, you're for this thing that wasn't ever even studied and it's blah blah. And if you just look at that, you're like. You just you just plant your feet and you go, fuck this person. But if you have that person on and you guys talk for two hours and then you start to see where they're coming from, you're like, oh, this guy's 59. Oh, 10 years ago, he had a stent put in his heart. He sees his dad every week and his dad's 81. Oh, yeah, he probably does look at me and like, oh, you're just some cocky guy 30 years younger than me who think you know what's best. And then that person sees where I'm coming from. And like, I just, I don't want anything to be censored. Uh, I, I do, you know, I, I do have at least a biology degree. I know something. And you start to see each other more and more. There is kind of a beautiful moment where I think Ronald Reagan actually said it for all of his setbacks and, and whatever the fuck. I think he's cool, but he had a, he had a great line and he was like one day, I forget the exact line. It's like maybe one day Johnny and Susan will be on a double date with like Igor and Ivana. And one may think there should be more state involvement in their life. And the other maybe thinks you should be free, but ultimately like they both enjoy dinner. They both enjoy like having a cigarette after dinner under the stars. They're both talking about how they have a babysitter at home watching the kids. They're both talking about, you know, oh, I hope to retire in this number of years. And they both talk about, you know, my parents are getting up there in years. And and then you kind of come back towards the center and it's like, what's the thing we hate each other about? And I've definitely had that multiple times where my mind hasn't necessarily been changed and I don't think theirs are changed. But you do stop seeing someone as just a, that's a libtard or that's a conservator. And instead you're like, oh, this is an, in, this is an intelligent, coherent, respectful person that just so happens to like the color green. And I like the color yellow. It doesn't mean that we're bad people. It just means, oh, I agree to disagree. Do you, do you have those experiences at all? Or again, oh, yeah. am I am I just a, am I just a pussy who gets pushed around?
1: No, um, most of the people that we've had on The Missing Link, I'm very much in alignment with what they're saying. I'm very, you know, there isn't a lot of, you know, kind of disagreement. I'm just open to them and their ideas of what the world is and what's going on. I'm very in alignment. But I had this email come out of this author and his name was Brett Hamachek, I believe, you know, and uh, he was involved with Charlie Kirk earlier on before Charlie Kirk got his big thing. But you know, and uh, he's, you know, it said he's open for podcasts. And so I reached out, I didn't know nothing about him, brought him onto the show, never heard him speak and never even knew anything about him, brought him onto the show. And uh, he was very much not in alignment with me or the things that I believe. Listen to him, we had healthy debate, we I told him that I disagree with things. And He said, you know, he goes, this was really amazing. It's amazing to be able to sit down and talk with someone that doesn't agree. We're not in alignment with a lot of things, but we could still have a healthy discussion about these things without the name calling, without, you know, how people just all of a sudden, I hate you because you, you fucked that guy or, you know, like, and it's just like, you know, the biggest thing is if you have respect for yourself you can have respect for other people and you know knowing that everybody's got to their road because of whatever journey that they've been on and you know some people have been you know born with a silver spoon in their mouth and some people have grown up on the tracks and pulled themselves out you don't know what the person's gone through where they've been religiously indoctrinated or where they got beat as a kid or molested as a kid you know and any kind of shit can happen to people so we're all just people and I try not to classify myself into the groups into I'm this like I said when I stopped eating meat I don't I'm not a vegetarian I'm definitely not a vegan cuz I still eat eggs and I would never stop eating honey. I think that's one of the stupidest things I ever
0: heard. You know, it's, oh
1: yeah, it's, it's bee vomit. We can't touch it. No, it's like, you
0: just, you're just not eating meat. That's just you.
1: I just stopped eating meat. I just stopped drinking alcohol. Like I just, I don't say like I'm the left or I'm the right, or I'm this because that's what they want us to classify. And when you say you divide yourself from yourself as soon as you say i'm this and i'm that now you're dividing yourself from the collective you're your own island in an ocean of people where we're all flowing here together so let's just flow together and you know stop the labeling stop that i'm this and i'm that there's a small group of parasitic you know scumbags that's the problem Joe down the street that, you know, likes, you know, to wear dresses is not the problem. It's fine. you do whatever you want. Yeah, whatever.
0: Not not my cup of tea, but fuck it. it, Go for it.
1: Yeah, you do. You do you. As long as you're not actively harming. Harming anybody. Others or the environment. I could give two shits what you do. That's your, you have every right to do whatever you want here. Like I have the right to do what I want here. So I respect that whether I agree or not, that makes no difference. I'm not out there. Oh yeah. That guy's doing this. I don't like it. And causing myself to get away from the small group of scumbags that want us all dead.
0: Yeah, no. And that's, and that's what it is. And, uh, I found that. I found that actually what you go into it with this idea of like, Oh, it's going to be hard to do a podcast with someone I disagree with or whatever and then you get through a couple of them and you're like oh you know kind of at the core of everyone there if there is it is very is is vanishingly rare that you meet someone that's truly just fuck you like you if you show your own vulnerability and you're like yeah this is kind of what i believe in but i also don't know it's they'll start to let their guard down be like yeah you know you know i've had one guy who was pretty staunchly liberal i forget when it was but I was kind of talking about how, you know, I'm more conservative, but I think X, Y, and Z. And I don't know. And he was like, I mean, to be fair, he's like, I was raised by like a, like a Yale, like, like a, like a lesbian Yale professor. So he's like, I don't think I'm exactly unbiased. And like, we were both laughing about like, yeah. And I'm from like conservative Catholic Irish parents. Like, you know, we're not exactly coming into this with like no preconceived notion. And like, we laughed about that. And then we went on to have a great conversation. Um, I've actually come to find that those are very easy. The easiest is to talk to someone who's right on board with you. But it's not that much more difficult to have someone that comes on and disagrees with you. You just got to show respect. What I found is actually the most difficult, for now at least, is the people who agree with you and watch your show and don't like you opening your mind to someone else. I will never open my mind to someone that you know, harms other people, a serial killer, a child molester, someone who produces child porn. I can't open my mind to that. But someone who just disagrees with me, I'll always walk it out and just see how their mind works just for the sake of taking it apart and putting it back together. I found that's the most difficult is when your own follower base, whether it's 100 subscribers or 10 million, are like, oh, I can't believe you interviewed this person. I don't fucking agree with that at all. You know, Tommy, I could never do that. And this is, you know, this is gross. I found that those are actually, and I don't give a shit. Like, I don't give a shit. I'm going to keep talking to whoever. I don't get, if you don't like it, unsubscribe. I don't care. Like, that's the core of me. As much as I care about the podcast, the only thing I care more about is not giving a shit. Like, it's just, I have to be me. I found that that's the most difficult is the people who are sort of like in your group on your side as much as we're trying to like cast aside these labels the people who are like hardcore followers and watch all your episodes and they're like oh you're having that guy on i found it's it's the most challenging to just like ignore them and it's you know it's uh it's easy to stand up to like a bully because you're like fuck this guy you know in your heart you know it's right to stand up it's a harder thing when it's like you and your buddies in college at a convenience store, and like you see one of them like grabbing a pack of cigarettes or something. You're not going to rat them out because you're not fucking rap. But it also, it's a lot harder to look at like one of your own best friends and be like, dude, put that back. Cause that's like, that's your homie. You shouldn't be like acting like a, you know, a principal. Like, what are you doing? That's the hardest is against like your own quote unquote side. Do you, do, you have, do you have any of, any of that? Because I know I do. I know oh, yeah. I do. And I, don't, I just don't respond to those comments. I don't ever delete comments, but it's, be, it's because it's not live. And I tell guests, I'm like, hey, whatever goes on in the comment section is, is out of my control. <laughs> and I, I don't, I, there's 931 episodes. I can't monitor them all. I don't give a shit. So, but do you get that at all?
1: Yeah. Recently, we had uh, Carrie Cassidy as an example um, from Project Camelot. Um, She's been interviewing people for, uh, you know, 20 years, 15, 20 years. So she's interviewed all kinds of wild people. And um, there was someone in the comment that was just going off and he was just like, she's this and she's that. And like, this is someone who had been a supporter of the missing link for maybe six months, eight months. I don't even know for a long time. This person has been like a nice and respectful person and the person went off and like after like the 20th comment of you know our drinking blood and this and that and you know what I had to delete that block that person they were out and you know I just had enough like I heard it once I heard it twice I heard it fifty, you know and it's like was distracting me I obviously I wasn't putting up his comments right but it was just you know it's distracting me and other people are like have some respect and there's infighting going on in the comments section of you know things like that and finally I had enough and I just had to you know block that person and stuff right so I didn't like it I didn't want yeah. to but if the person would have just shut their mouth after two or three times then you know but for the whole two hours they wouldn't stop and you know yeah. it's like hey, enough's enough like we all heard your opinion like you know it's more about you getting your opinion heard than it is about anything else that's constructive you know going on in this conversation so you know that is tough when you have to do that to, to long-time supporters and I interview lots of people that people believe or you know <clears throat> people believe David Icke is a Freemason you know that's I got a lot you know that's why I asked him have you been ever been asked to be any secret societies but You know, and then there's people that, you know, don't like Sasha Stone for whatever reason that he's linked up to this and that. And so, Oh, you're interviewing him again. I just won't watch this one. You know what they'll say. And that's great. You don't have to watch. I keep telling people, if you don't agree with someone who we have on, just don't watch. Why are you coming there to bring negative energy? Just have enough respect for me that if I want to bring someone on to my show, to talk to somebody because I'm interested in asking them questions. It doesn't matter if you like them or not. If you respect me, have respect for me and don't be a douchebag on my show. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You do kind of get this. uh, You do kind of get this weird thing where you don't want to be like a cunt, but sometimes you almost just want to like grab a commenter and be like, Hey, thank you for being here. I love that. You're always watching the show. This is Tommy's podcast. I started this. I run it. I'm the scheduler. I'm the editor. I'm the social media manager. I do it all. This is not our show. Like I almost want to grab some people sometime and be like, I genuinely, and it, I really do. I mean, as someone that's also been banned from YouTube, I really do appreciate the people that stay with me. And I've never said it, and I never will. But sometimes there, I just want to grab someone and be like, I-, I love you. This is not. This is not Bob and Tom's show. This is Tommy's show, and um lastly to kind of pivot from there and i remember listening to i started and i always sound like such a hipster douche when i say this but like i started listening to rogan in december 2011 which i think was like a less than a year after he started a friend sent me a link and they're like hey it's the fear factor guy and i just i, I vaguely remember like listening to it and i was i was studying uh what classes i take and i was taking general chemistry too in my first semester at UGA University of Georgia. So it was first semester junior year towards the end, December, 2011. And I remember listening to it. And I was like, I was like, Oh, I like, I like this. You know, it was like a clip. It was like a 10 minute clip. And for like the next two years I would just find more 10 minute clips of him. I'm retarded I didn't know he had a podcast. I thought these were just clips of him on like radio shows. And I was like, Oh, this guy's got, he's, he's, uh, he's really getting around there. And I finally found out he had a podcast and it was so weird to go and find these episodes and find the clip within them that I had listened to so many times I had memorized it. I started listening to him and I really probably up and through like 2014. And then I kind of trailed off. I never stopped liking him. I just kind of went and did something else. But um, I remember him talking in like 2013 or 2014. And he was talking about how his mind has changed about conspiracies. Cause he goes, once you see a conspiracy about you, then you, it shifts everything and he was like you know they think i'm a cia plan he's like i'm sponsored by the fleshlight like what the fuck are you talking about when i've had people comment like you know well he's in with dr malone he's always having on these former cia operatives like i don't trust a goddamn thing tommy says and then i'm like i'm literally in a closet like room with blankets hanging from the walls to suppress the noise, wearing slippers, every podcast at some point just throwing it over to the guests as I go take a piss. I know the challenge of for every awesome yes response email you get, there's a million that say no, or actually they don't even respond. And I'm barely piecing this thing together with Band-Aids and bubble gum. And then you get banned from YouTube, and it still takes a year to sort of recover from that. And then people are like, it's so clear that this is a Mossad operation. And I'm like, hold on. And then I'm like, what conspiracies do I view? That doesn't mean conspiracies aren't real. I'll be conspiracy theorists the day I die. But it also does shift my mind a little bit when I'm like, okay. There are things in the world that someone is looking at us talk about and they're like, these retards really don't get it. Like this actually just did happen. Have you had that at all? Have you, have you been accused of a conspiracy yet and your thoughts on that?
1: Well, the people that I interview, people like to class, you know, all he must be part of them. Like, Oh, there was a guy, I don't know if I want to give him any airtime, but he does this, he's got his own podcast, he's never shown his face, and he's exposing the deep state and disposing Trump and all this kind of stuff or whatever. He's got quite a large, you know, uh, subscribers, you know, 10, 15, 20,000 on a bunch of different platforms or whatever, and he's been doing this for a while. He did this, the, a, a podcast called The Luciferian Agenda, and talking about all the doctors who are talking about this and then what do you know someone messaged me jesse jesse you're on this guy's show so he Uh-oh. brought who is this jesse hell guy he came out of nowhere you know is he this you know how is he interviewed <laughs> every single one of these doctors is he like a content creator for these people like he i all and he's got my interviews and people that i interview and i'm like what oh, i was oh, like God. you know and it's because i've interviewed a lot of people he doesn't agree with with that all of a sudden i'm some you know content creator for this collective of of doctors who are trying to you know uh prop up trump or whatever and if you ever listen to my stuff you know my especially my latest you know because i was a trump supporter before i did the podcast i think always until um biden uh didn't get arrested at the inauguration and then i was kind of looking at oh, things a little thing bit history, more yeah. realistically. I, uh, you know, the thinking about, well, he talked about WikiLeaks and, you know, before he got elected, he didn't never do nothing did to help her he You know, and then everything. all of a sudden he was like, WikiLeaks, what's that? Like he acted like he didn't even know WikiLeaks. Yeah. His whole pre-election, lock her up, lock her up. Did you ever see her get locked up? No. So some of this stuff I kind of let slide, but it kind of was taking me away from the Trump train. And then I heard him brag about the vaccines and yeah. become a vaccine salesman. And then I was like, fuck that guy. I'm like, you know, there's there's a, a database called VAERS and it shows you how many people have been murdered by the vaccine, how many millions of people have been injured. This is only reported shit. Yeah. And he's bragging about how he brought this into the play. And I can't align with that. I think he's a fucking douchebag. And so if this guy ever listened to me talk about some of this stuff that, you know, sorry, I can't be in alignment with someone that brags about potentially being one of the biggest mass murderers in history.
0: Yeah, no, I was pretty heavily on on the Trump train. And uh, I think the first thing that really kind of jogged me at first person I voted for was Obama because I was 18 and wanted hope and change. Then Romney in 2012, because I was pre-med, and I was like, fuck Obamacare. like I, I want to be a doctor, be able to control myself. Uh, I voted for Bernie in the primaries in 2016, because that was two years after my older brother died from suicide. And I was like, oh, mental health, healthcare that is a huge issue. And then I didn't vote in the presidential election in 2016. I voted for Trump in 2020, because, primarily because of the summer of 2020 and watching the cities get burned down. But the one thing that kind of jogged me the most was, I want to say, it was like 2018. You know, it was like when he sold like $20 billion of weapons to Saudi Arabia. And I was like, hold the fuck on. There's not a sea change here. Like, didn't pull us out. I know he had the plans for us to be gone, but we were still in Iraq his full presidency. And then that's when you start to go, oh. And, you know, it doesn't, it's the you know, what's that Mark Twain quote? It's easier to fool man than to convince man he's been fooled. It doesn't feel good to look back and go, fuck, I was wrong. It's the worst feeling in the world. But for me, at least in my own podcast, I've also used that as a learning stepping stone and also as a way to put down the ego and to feel the sting of vulnerability. Because beyond that, that's the pain that precedes growth. And when you go, oh, I'm going to leave those episodes up of me cheering for Trump. Because now I look back and I'm like, and I look like a fucking idiot. And I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure that there's a stance that I hold right now that I don't even know what it is. That in five years, I'll be like, I can't believe I said that with Jesse. I was so fucking stupid. But I'll continue to leave it up because not just for the podcast, but it also allows me to see that in other people where I go, oh, this person believes X, Y, and Z. And I think they're an asshole. How do I not know in five years that Bob, who I think is an asshole, you know, I'm going to I'm going to meet Bob and he's going to have a two year old kid and he's married. He's like, yeah, man, I remember back when I was 23 and I was involved in that. I'm like, oh, Jesus. He's like, I can't you know, I can't believe I went and was taking part of Antifa. I should have got my ass kicked. And you're like, that's just a guy that like me fucked around and learned a lesson and grew from it. That's a huge thing, I think. That I think that's probably the most beneficial thing I've learned from the podcast. Not learning to keep an eye open mind against people with different views from me, not even learning to stand up for keeping an open mind around the people that support the podcast who don't like about don't like me having an open mind. I'd say the most important thing I've learned is like looking back at my own episodes and seeing me, nobody else seeing me fiercely defend one point that just two years later I'm like you're wrong you're objectively wrong and i'm like and then i have compassion for myself like oh well you were growing a lot of things were going on in life that's you have to apply that to everyone everyone has a lot going on in life it's so easy to be like well this person doesn't understand what's going on everyone has a family member who's dying everyone misses a family member everyone has a date that their grandma died everyone remembers getting their heart broken everyone has the same stresses of everyone's worried about putting money away everyone's worried about you know are they fucking depopulating then demolishing the world everyone everyone is worried about this and I have to go this isn't just this isn't planet Tommy and this isn't the Truman Show with Tommy I'm one piece in a giant game and if I can show myself compassion and love and instead of looking at something as being a young asshole, go, no, you're learning and you are scared of the world and you're probably lashing out, it then allows you to look at others that way and go, maybe that guy's just learning right now. Maybe that guy's just, maybe that's somebody's future dad who they're going to love and think is the coolest guy in the world. I'm sure if I met my dad at 18, I'd be like, this guy's a cocky asshole, probably no less cocky than me. Um, I don't really know where I was going with that. Um, I
1: just wanted to say the biggest thing, what I think is holding people back is the ego because most people don't want to admit that they were wrong. Most people don't want to admit that they were fooled. Most people don't want to admit that they injected their kids with poison. Most people don't want to admit that. And so it's easier, like you said, the twain to live this lie than it is to, you know, admit, you know, that you had the truth. And like back with uh, Trump, uh, I watched The Apprentice. I always liked Trump. And when, because I knew everything was going on in the world, when, you know, Hillary and him were going battling, I spent every single night for probably six months straight, I'd smoke a big joint, I'd write some eloquent, you know, thing about, uh, Um, how uh, horrible she is and exposing and connecting her to who. And then I copied and pasted it to every single political page that I could find on the internet. A lot of the shadow batting is what's happening is uh, because of this guy here, because I literally had people say to me, how many times have you copied and pasted this thing? This is like the five or six place I've seen it. I, I don't know. I lost count after 30 or 40 times and but I did this every single night night after night after night so I could show people how horribly evil her and her little scumbag crew is and I made it a point wasn't talking about the greatness of Trump or this all I was doing was letting people know how evil her and all their parasitic scumbags are and I did that for the whole entire time Until the election. So I, and then once he got elected, I was like, wow, I'm like, she didn't get, she was supposed to be a shoe in. And then, you know, then I got into the Q thing and, you know, all the stuff that was going on had hope and faith that this is all going on. And I, you know, hopefully there is still some good guys out there that are stopping these parasitic scumbags. And I hope there are. And, and, you know, I'm not, I, I, if I like right now, I'm kind of detached myself a little bit from it, but I can admit that, you know, when, you know, he, I was wrong. I was wrong about, you know, and 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 I have no problem doing that. And I think that shows that humility shows other people that it's okay to admit that you're wrong when you're coming in a point. And my girlfriend said, you know, the other day to me when I was having someone on and being able to healthy discuss things in a healthy way, even though you disagree with them. It shows people that you can have these healthy discussions and you can have these arguments or these debates with people but do it in a way where people were like wow that's great that they're not at each other's throat and they can actually still respect each other even though they don't agree with them
0: i think that's beautifully said and i think most importantly is then you start to come away from this idea of like well trump's not going to do it and q's not going to do it and this isn't going to happen and there is sort of this almost spiritual thing, and not like a megalomaniacal, like messianic complex sort of way, like, I'm God, because you can't go down that, that rabbit hole. That's a bad one, too. You end up walking into a store naked with a shotgun. It's... You do start to get this thing where you go, no one's coming to save me. I have to stand up for myself. But I can't save the country. Well, no, I probably singularly can't, but there are some things I can do. And I'm on... Um, it's 30, I'm on 38 days of, of no alcohol. I'm and I don't think I had a problem with it, but I just decided, I just had a panic attack and after drinking one night and was like, it's got to go, it has to go. And, uh, exercising, losing weight, I've lost about 20 pounds this month, cutting calories, really upping my meditation game, trying to bring down video game time. I don't think there's anything wrong with video games, but just give yourself some time to fall asleep, turn off the blue light Um, does that mean that that's going to save the world? Probably not. But there is a beautiful moment where you go, no one's coming to save. So this is one way I look at it. I go, let's say we beat the great reset, right? A bunch of Patriots do exist and, and we owe, and we stop the world economic forum, And it's, and that's great. That's not something that, you know, pretend is nothing. That would be wonderful. We have a future. And then what? Well, you still got to diet if you want to lose some weight. You know, it's like you still got to get better at balancing your budget if you want to be able to, you know, retire, or go on a vacation or, you know, do philanthropy or give it to a homeless shelter. There are these things where you go, the biggest things affect you, short of nuclear war or a lab made bio a uh, bioweapon. It's not going to be from Trump or Biden or Trudeau or Klaus Schwab. It's going to be because. Like you, like 10 years on just, yeah, stop drinking. Nine years of no more cigarettes. No one's doing it for you. And like you said, where you got to sort of get detachment, that doesn't mean stick your head in the sand and not pay attention to the world, because that's bad. That That's what allows the world to go off the off the rails. But also understand that there's so much within your immediate universe that you can do. Don't get sucked into the black hole of, oh my God, the world's over. There's, you know, they're, they're taking over the world. It's the end. You can't get sucked into the, the Twitter like pulls You can feel it like not to be a hippie, but like lowering your vibrations when you're reading this, when you're just scrolling through like Reddit conspiracy, you're like, oh, it's all fucked. Like you have to be your own moment of, you have to be the own light in the darkness. You have to be the Jesse with the fucking bongo, just being like, Hey, they're fucking depopulating the world. But like, find some love like you have to and maybe you are just the band on the titanic but you also might not be you also might actually lift people out of something and that's very real but jesse because i'm a terrible host i have another guest that i have in like less than 60 seconds so we gotta wrap this one up um i love you man thank you so much for coming on you have a beautiful heart Uh, i will put all of your stuff in the description i'd love to have you back on I'd love to invite myself back onto your show. Thank you, Jesse. You're welcome, Tommy. And um, yeah, everybody go follow him. Jesse, you're a cool motherfucker. Uh, thank you so much, man.
1: Thanks a lot, Tommy. Love you too, brother. This was an honor and I uh, look forward to chatting with you again in the future.
0: Hell yeah. By the way, that painting behind you or tapestry, it Fucking sick! I've been staring at it for the last hour and a half. It's <laughs> fucking sick. I love it. It just got to my
1: girlfriend's house. So this is oh. her. She's a decorating genius. She's an art phenom. Just love my girlfriend that and is so lots strange. of amazing, you know, wonderful news to come.
0: Hell yeah! You're a good man. Everybody, love is all we have. Do it. Take care of yourselves. Nobody's going to make you lose weight. Nobody's going to make you stop smoking cigarettes. Do the right thing. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. We're all one. And this life is just the blip of a blink of an eye of a shadow of a dream. So with that, I don't know, go find love.